So is it good to be here this evening? Is it? All right, we need to, all right. I got an hour. Well, yeah, but see, that's just the preliminaries. Uh, yeah. LSU plays tonight at 7.30. I think kickoff is actually at 7.35. Uh, yeah, so it gives me a little bit of time. Huh? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I got that. I got. I got it. I got it. So, so I have thirty minutes. I don't have an hour, and and that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, you know, um, whenever we've we've started going through, uh, you know, through this, uh, you know, through Nehemiah and looking at the things that Nehemiah has for us, uh, it's it's really been interesting to me. I, I don't know about y'all. Uh, you know, Nehemiah with his ability and what we see here in Scripture, uh, it teaches us leadership. It's a tremendous, uh, you know, message and a lot of things in here about leadership. Uh, you know, last week, uh, you know, we talked about this and, uh, you know, um, uh, we only had a short period of time, so I gave you just the blurb of, of all of the things, but you remember Whenever Nehemiah, you know, first got to Jerusalem, he didn't do anything. Remember, he just simply walked around and he sized up or he evaluated the situation. Uh, you know, we find out through here that, uh, you know, that he also recognized the people that were there. Um, and in this process, he also recognized the, uh, the leaders within uh, you know, within the church or within, uh, you know, the people that was around in the city. And you notice I almost gave it away to you right there, didn't I? Uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, we, we notice the people that's in the church. Uh, you know, now one of the things that Nehemiah also understood was, uh, you know, Nehemiah found the leaders. He found the critical people in the city or around the city. And he gave them key positions. Not only did Nehemiah find the key leaders and stuff, he found the common people, but he found their gifts, and he found what they were passionate about and what they were excited about, and he gave them those positions. Now you're like, Pastor, come on. All they did was just simply build a wall. But Nehemiah was coming into a situation where they had been trying to build this wall for 150 years. And they hadn't been able to accomplish it. So one of the things that we find from this is, is that not only did Nehemiah find the people that was willing to work, he found where they were interested in or what they were interested in and put them to work there. He found the leaders in the community and he allowed the leaders to begin to direct those little small pockets. Now, last week, Andrew, if you can go to that map for us. Uh, you know, because last week we talked about the map and we said if you, uh, you know, as far as in the passage of Scripture, if you find the sheep's gate and then you go counterclockwise, that'll tell you the group of people that he's talking about in each one of those sections. But they didn't build it clockwise. Does that make sense to you? They built it all at once, 
So the people that Nehemiah wrote in Scripture was counterclockwise, but people were working all over the city all at once. It wasn't that they got one part built and then they went to the next part and then they went to the next part. He had all these people working at the same time. Nehemiah shows us through this that he was really good at communication. He made sure that the people had the materials that they needed when they needed it. But he had already set up the key people in the position to where they simply said, Nehemiah, today we're going to need this. And Nehemiah made sure that it was there. Nehemiah didn't have to go every day. He didn't walk all the way around that city and check and see where everything was and how everything was going. He had the key people in place that was doing this. Now, one of the other things is, is that we find out through this passage of Scripture that Nehemiah had the people building on the wall that was in their community. So in other words, he says, to help out with this, I need to find where your interest is. Your interest is where? Protecting your family. So Nehemiah said, okay, if you're interested in protecting your family, I'm not going to send you to the other side of the city to build. I'm going to have you build right here where your family is. Now, Marcus and Renee, Marcus and Renee started helping out with the youth whenever Alex was in the youth. They had an investment in that area. They wanted to make sure what was going on in the youth group. We thank God and we praise God that they've hung on even though Alex has now moved on. They're still needed. But there's a place in the church that is passionate or that you are passionate about and you shouldn't be working all the way across over here if what you're passionate about is all the way over here. Because if you are, you're going to get burnt out. Now, I am a little odd. Peggy and I lived in, in Mooresville, North Carolina, and I worked at Metrolina Dodge all the way on South Boulevard. I traveled an hour into work, and an hour home. I absolutely loved it. I was able to disconnect from work on the way home, and then I was able to disconnect from home on the way into work. I loved it. Had that time just to kind of mellow out. Of course, at that point in time, I had a Fiat convertible, and I would let the top down, and I'd cruise on along. And yes, once in my life of having that car, did I come up to an 18-wheeler and slide underneath that 18-wheeler and go into the turn lane. Never touched him. Just once. I did that once. And I was so scared that he was about to start moving while I was underneath there. But that's not the way that most people work. Most people work that, uh, you know, if I'm really compassionate about something, that's where I want to be. So don't strain me and send me someplace else. That's where Nehemiah was. Now, if we just simply looked at Nehemiah chapters 1, 2, and 3, we would think that Nehemiah did a great job and that everything was roses, right? Nehemiah had all the material that was donated to him. He had his king, uh, you know, had given him all the letters that he needed to be able to get the work done. 
uh, you know, the king said that I would supply everything that you need to rebuild that wall. And then Nehemiah gets there, he assesses everything, and Nehemiah has the key leaders in the community right where he needs them to be. He has the workers right where they need to be, and everything is going great. After all, it only took them 57 days to build it, right? Boy, but can you imagine the headache? Can I give you a hint? I give you a little something here. You know, if you're doing God's work, Satan is battling you. Nehemiah was doing God's work. They were his battles. Nehemiah faced battles. The people around them faced battles. One of the largest battles that Nehemiah had to overcome was discouragement. We've done this I don't know how many times. It's not going to work. We've done this over and over again. I'm going to pause for a second because I want us to grab a hold of something. If we don't feel that there's a problem, we will not try to correct the problem, and we will continue going down the same path. Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene, the history of this church, you can look back at it, and you can say that we've done a lot of good ministries. What do we need to change? Maybe not what, but the question for a lot of people is, why do we need to change it? Why do we need to change what we're doing? Well, the reason why that we ask the why is, is because we don't think it's going wrong. We don't think it's bad. I, I've, I've probed and I've asked questions. Uh, you know, um, yes, I have. Uh, you know, I've been here for two years, and yes, I was supposed to have my two-year review, and yes, I really want to have a two-year review. Believe it or not, I really do. I've never had a review, but I want one. Because I know that there are things that I am not doing right. I know that there are things that I can do better. But unless y'all, unless the people let me know what that is, I'm kind of clueless. You know, I, and I say I know because I know I'm not perfect. You know, I, I get frustrated sometimes with myself. You know, so whenever I'm talking about this and I'm, and I'm thinking about this is, is that, uh, you know, we're trying to build God's kingdom. In the first 150 years of the Jewish people trying to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, it didn't work that way. They might have made some progress, but then something happened and the leader left or uh, you know, they got into a war or somebody came through and, and destroyed the work that they had already done. We still need to look at this and figure out, okay, if we're going to grow the kingdom of God in 2018 and 2019, how, do we're gonna, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Nehemiah gives us this great picture. How are we going to do this? If there's something that you're compassionate about, get involved in it. If you are a leader of this church, stand up and begin to lead. If you don't like the direction, don't sit back and complain. Nehemiah stands here and he says, okay, he says, if we're going to get this done, the first thing that we have to do is we have to focus our first resort. The first thing that we do is that we have to pray about the situation that is causing us to have fear in doing what God really wants us to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we have to reinvent the wheel. We've got to change our music. We've got to come up with blue lights, and we've got to paint the wall black, and we've got to do all this stuff. I'm not saying that we have to do that. 
But there is something that is causing us to be afraid of doing something different than the way that we used to do it. We've got to focus in on that and figure out what it is, and we've got to take it to God. Because God is not a God of fear. God is a God of love, and He's a God of power and and of joy. He's not a God of fear. He does not want us to be afraid. Nehemiah shows us this. You know, we, we see that Sanballat, uh, you know, was standing there, uh, you know, and, and at first, believe it or not, he ignored him. He said, oh, this is another leader coming to Jerusalem to try to build this wall. And then lo and behold, there's success. Soon as there was success, he began to do what? Psychological warfare. He didn't go and attack them. He just began to talk about him. Oh, you can't accomplish this. You're just like all the other people. It's not going to work. And then his buddy, you know, a fox could run across that wall and it'd all fall down. Now, we don't have a wall that we're building, but it says the things that you're doing, they're not going to accomplish anything. They're going to fall down. Marty's not here, so I'm going to pick on Marty. By the way, we need to pray for Marty because he has shingles. Uh, you know, so all the stuff that he's going on with, with the chemo and hurting his feet and all that there, you know, he has shingles. And if I'm not mistaken, it's on his calf. Is it on his chest and back? Okay. All right. I thought he said something about his calf, but, uh, you know, he might have been talking about something else with me. But Marty is over Compassionate Ministries. The first Compassionate Ministry meeting that we had, uh, we had 26 or 27. People left that place and said that it was great. We laughed, we cried, we laughed some more, and we cried some more. The next meeting, we increased, and we had 33 or 34. We left from there, and people said, man, that was really great. We laughed some, we cried some, we laughed a little bit more. And before we left, we all had accountability partners, our buddies, to support us throughout the week. And whenever difficulty times and stuff came, We're having success. Satan would look at us and Satan would say, yeah, but you don't have a person that's coming to this meeting outside of this church, which is kind of what we would like for it to do, to reach beyond these four walls. A fox can't even run across that wall and it'll fall apart. Satan's trying to get us to fear trying things. Men, Tuesday morning men, I can talk about this because it's me. There were times that I did get a little depressed, especially whenever I showed up and it was me and and David, or it was me and Steve. I was grateful for them, but man, I really wanted to reach a whole lot more people. This last Tuesday, we were back up to nine. So we grew one from the largest that we were. I'm excited, but Satan can still get there and say, yeah, but John, it's not doing really what you want it to do. I'd have to question Satan because it's just simply a discipleship group for me and a group of men to get together and to talk about God. And that is exactly what we do. We do what God wants us to do. I truly believe that the deeper we grow, the larger we'll grow. Nehemiah shows us all of this. You know, whenever people are threatened, and whenever I say threatened, I'm really kind of talking about us as far as 
where we are and how this is all working and, and whether or not the work and the stuff that we're putting into this is, is actually all worth it. Uh, you know, whenever we boil this down and we try to figure all of this stuff out, uh, you know, we, we look here and, and there's three ways that we react to fear. The first way that we react to fear, uh, you know, is by threatening the person that the fear is coming from. You're like, wait a minute, that sounds really odd. How am I going to threaten Satan? Well, that's where we're confused. Because whenever we are fearful of this stuff happening, Satan is not who we blame. We blame the pastor or they blame Nehemiah. We immediately, as soon as something uh, you know, goes wrong, and I know Booger was picking at me and stuff today, whenever we brought the ladder in to, you know, to fix the, you know, the uh, projector, he said, if it doesn't work, Pastor, I'm going to blame you. But that's what it is. So, you know, we're, we're afraid to make the changes. We're afraid to step out and to do things just a little bit different. And whenever we step out and do something different and it doesn't work, we look back at the pastor and we go, I told you it wasn't going to work. It's all your fault. I told you it wasn't going to work. Can I let you all in on something? Because I worry about that. Whenever we brought Robbie on, I worried about whether or not y'all would accept Robbie, whether y'all would accept the music and the style with Robbie. Oh, golly. Ashley, bringing in a young lady all the way from Washington, D.C. to Rock Hill, South Carolina, to be our children's director, and her being rejected because, see, she's my responsibility. And yes, if the children's ministry goes awry, I do expect you to come to me, not her. She's only doing what I asked her to do or what your board is asking her to do. Same thing with Robbie. Don't go to Robbie. Come to me because he's doing what the board and I have asked him to do. But the first thing that we react to is that we begin to threaten it. The second way that we handle this is that we get very angry and we get aggressive. How does that show up in a church? Yeah, gossip. Sitting back there saying, oh, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, we come on. I'm going to point out the wall because remember the greenery that was all the way across there? And we had somebody that was doing decorations and I found a lot of, yeah. Um, and, it, and it got gone. We didn't like that, did we? Oh, pastor, we need to put something up there. I heard it. I heard it. That wall looks bare. We need to put something up there. I wouldn't have done it that way. Who did that? Who did that? You know, we do it. We get aggressive. It could be the person sitting right next to you, and you're like, who in the world did that? Oh, it was me. Oh, man, that, it really looks nice. It really looks nice. Hmm. The worst is the third, because it's anger along with the harsh treatment. You know, because I can understand you coming to me, but if you come to me with anger, that's a little different. You know, sometimes it, it, it combines, uh, you know, it, it gets so deep underneath our skin that, that we just simply come loose and we begin to blame, but we begin to blame in anger. Can I give you a hint? That's normally when they leave, but there's more damage done before you leave because you have to say what you're going to, what, what's in your brain. Now you got to have the last word. My dad used to always get on to me because I thought I had to have the last word. 
And then I always get on to my son, my oldest son, Andrew, because he always has to have the last word. Always. So Caleb and I, whenever we text, I always have to have the last word. I love you. I love you too. I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. I'll go back and forth, back and forth until he just gets tired of it. Got to have the last word. But we do that. You know, so Nehemiah does give us some other, some, some good things here. Uh, you know, because he talks about praying first. Y'all remember Nehemiah's really good prayer that he had back in chapter 2, I think it was. You know, where God, you know, where he, where he prayed to God and, uh, you know, where God opened up the doors for him to, to speak to King Artaxerxes. Okay, well, here, this is not a prayer that you want to duplicate of Nehemiah's. In chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 is one of the worst prayers that's listed in Scripture. So you have it there? So Nehemiah prayed for his enemies to have trouble reaped upon them. He even says that he wants the enemies to be taken over in a battle and put into captivity. Matthew chapter 5, 34 and, or, yeah, 43 and 44, Jesus tells us that we should love our enemies. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 21 that we should not be conquered by evil, but we should conquer evil with good. Let's not pray like Nehemiah prayed here. Nehemiah is telling us that we must be sure to pray focused on God's will because if not we'll be praying what our desire is and we will be confused about the direction that God has for us because we pray what we want and not what God wants. That's easy in the church, isn't it? Is it not? I didn't get enough head shakes. Because we do a lot of things underneath what we would classify the influence of God. That God has absolutely nothing to do with. If we say, I think God wants it done this way, we think it carries more weight. People will listen to me if I say that God told me to do this. Hmm. <laughs> Don't laugh, bugger. <laughs> There's some people <laughs> that might come to you and say that God called me and said, I think you need to do this, or I think you need to do that. We have to make sure that whenever we pray, that we're praying what God wants and not what we want. We get hurt whenever we're doing what we want, and it turns out not to be what God wants. So Nehemiah continues and Nehemiah tells us that we need to put feet to our prayer by diligently working with diligent prayer. So Nehemiah prayed and continued to work. It wasn't that Nehemiah prayed and then sat there and waited for God to do something. We do that. We come down to the altar and we're like, God, what would you have for me to do to grow your kingdom? And we go back to our seat and we sit there. And we wait for him to take the top of our head and open it up a little bit and pour it in there. Or we wait for the two by four to come across and hit us because we, we're like, oh, I don't see that. I have a desire for young people. That's really not God telling me that's where he wants me to work. I really like the millennials. 
by the way, millennials are the people that's in the 24 to 20 to 34 age bracket right now. That's those people that we're all afraid to talk to because they're always on their cell phones and or they're always on their iPads or their computers, uh, you know, they're, they're always doing weird things, uh, you know, I, I still don't understand, I saw someone a couple of days ago, I think it was, it was Friday, yes, it was Friday in Asheville, we went to, uh, to the Apple Festival, they had the largest ears that I've ever seen in my entire life, they had those rings, those, the, those little buckeyes, they call them, I think they're, I think they call them buckeyes, uh, you know, but what they do is, is they continue to put them bigger, 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 bigger. This young lady had like this gauges. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh my goodness. See those people. I feel that God wants me to go and minister to those people. Now that's not me, but I'm saying that for somebody else. We get this sense, and we're like, oh no, I, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I might, I might wind up in, you know, having to talk to somebody that's wearing one of those, uh, you know, toboggans and it's 90 degrees outside. How, you know, what is this? How, you know, you're wearing a hoodie and it's 85 degrees out there? I, I don't understand this. How am I supposed to talk to you? But if that's God, see, I'm going on and on with this because God is literally putting this in somebody's face and they're like, oh, no, that's not me. That's not really what you want me to do. You want me to do something else, right? You want me to work with the little babies. That's what you want me to do, right, God? You want me to work with the little babies. Somebody told me that they just don't work with babies anymore. Something about an accident or something that happened downstairs and there was blood involved. Uh, you know, the first time and only time that they, you know, that they, you know, held with, you know, was working with the babies and stuff. They're like, babies aren't for me. I'm like, I got you. Babies aren't for you. Don't do that. But there's something else that God has for you to do. And you know what? It's not going to be very far from the passion of your heart. If you're truly passionate about God, what he will have for you to do is something that you love doing. If you like talking, preaching's really good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. But one of the things that we have to safeguard ourselves with is discouragement. Because that is the place that Satan can get us the easiest. So I, I want to help you out tonight, uh, you know, because there are things and there's tasks and stuff that God has for us to do. But, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we focus on the prayer and that we are praying that God will remove the fear in our lives. And then from there, we need to pray that God will show us his will for us to do. But once he shows you the will, or even in the midst of the prayer, there is work that you still need to do. Let's not be afraid that if you were praying for God to show you where you want to be, where He wants you to minister, that you go down and you start working with the teens, and three weeks later He says, No, I need you with the children. It's okay. Just do something for God, do His work. So, with this discouragement, we need, to, we need to avoid both physical and mental exhaustion. Because whenever you are physically or emotionally exhausted, Satan has a weak spot to get in. So if you need 10 hours of sleep, make sure to get it. 
If you only need three hours of sleep, get it. If you're hungry, eat, because we need that. Oh, I dislike this. Peggy, you must have had my notes. Be sure to get proper physical exercise. Proper physical exercise. That was God? Okay, all right. Spend time with someone that is not discouraging. We all have that person in our lives. We all have that person that every time we talk to them, it's, it's, it's glass half empty, not glass half full. There are times in our lives that we need to spend time with someone that sees the glass half full. There are times that we need to be bombarded with what I would consider stimulating emotions that just simply bubble up inside of you and create excitement within you. Oh, do something for someone else. If you do something for, for someone else, it will always help you. You will get more of a blessing than they will. Here's one here. Accomplish a task. And that task is not getting up out of bed. Accomplish something. Simple. If you're having a sluggish day, you're having a hard day, set a task up that you can finish, that you can accomplish. And then you say, oh, I've done it. And then you can go on to the next one. If all of the things that you're working on are things that have end dates that are months out, you'll wear out before you get halfway there. You need to have some things that are right there up front that you can say, ta-da, I have done it. And then you can move on. Attempt to learn something important. Some type of a personal lesson from a difficult situation. So in other words, whenever you go into the situation and you know that it's going to be difficult, always look for the positive that you can learn from it. And it will keep us or help to keep us from being discouraged. And whenever we're discouraged, Satan has a great place to enter into our lives. And then we are vulnerable to the temptations that he has before us. Leadership. Wow. There's a lot of things to learn from Nehemiah, isn't it? But you know what it is? What, what I really like about this is? What I get excited about this is? It's that there's a lot of these things that we're learning about in Nehemiah's leadership that we're doing. I look at some of this stuff that we have from Nehemiah, and I'm like, wow, God, we're on the right track. Sometimes I amaze myself. But there's a passage of Scripture in there that it says that the only way that Nehemiah was able to do this was because God had his hand on Nehemiah. And I know that whatever is done right and whatever we're doing right, it's not because of me. It's because of God. But I also know that everybody that's in here, all the way from over here, all the way to over here, we need this stuff from Nehemiah because God has things for us to do. There's leaders in here. There are people that have passion or is passionate about something that God needs for them to do. And Nehemiah is telling us that to accomplish all that God has for us to accomplish, we all have to do the work that God needs for us to do. So whether it's a leader or it's the custodian, 
You've got to do what God has for you to do. If not, we won't be able to accomplish the things that God has for us to accomplish. Julio said it really good this morning. Was it Julio or was it Robbie? It was Kelly. That said that God says that he will accomplish the work that he has begun. As long as we're doing God's work, God's right there with us, helping us to accomplish everything that he has for us to accomplish. So that whenever we get to the end of our lives, we will hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Nehemiah is interesting, isn't he? Isn't he? Good. Whenever Peggy and I come back from vacation... We'll continue on with Nehemiah, I think, unless I have already promised something else. But I think I'm right. I'm going through Nehemiah. So let's stand for dismissal. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for the instructions that you give to us through Nehemiah. God, I pray, dear Lord, that your face would shine upon us this week. And God, that your blessings will be poured out on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.